0: This is the Bates Bobcast, our weekly podcast where we take a look at the week that was in Bates Athletics. My name is Aaron Morse, and we are in D3 Week right now, where we celebrate and showcase why we believe Division three provides the best experience for college athletes. To hear what's happening at Bates for D3 Week, we'll talk to student members of our Student Athlete Advisory Committee. Plus, men's track and field dominated the Bates quad meet and women's tennis went 2 0 in NASCAR action over the weekend. All that and more coming up on the Bates Bobcast. The tennis teams had a strong weekend at Connecticut College and Trinity. The men defeated the Camels 8-1 before falling 5-3 in a hard-fought battle with the Bantams. Meanwhile, the women defeated Conn College 9-0 and took care of Trinity 8-1. Senior captain Anna Rosen shined at the top of the lineup for Bates, teaming with sophomore Allie Friedman to win both their matches at number one doubles and winning both her matches at number one singles as well. And Anna Rosen is our female Bobcat of the Week.
1: Going into this weekend, we were really excited. Um, We've been having a lot of away games, but it's been honestly really fun to be on the road with everyone. And the first match, we were able to play outside. The weather was great. It was really good vibes. Uh, The whole team was really high energy, so it was really, really fun out there. And then the next day, we... We're playing against Trinity and there was rain, so we had to move indoors. And on the indoor courts, there's only three. So we knew we were in for a very long day. The men's team was playing before us and they were inside. We went a couple hours over, but everyone was ready to play and ready to go. And people fought really, really hard. Um, I was playing singles and Joanna Atwater was playing beside me and she had an Insane match! It was so amazing to watch her play and compete, and um, just the energy from everyone competing beside each other is really what like got us through it. And it was a really great weekend overall for everyone.
0: You mentioned the second match. I mean, you do have to wait a while. Like you're supposed to play at two. When did you actually start?
1: We started playing at five fifteen. So we're a couple hours over, and we left the building at around ten thirty at night so it was a very long long day how do you
0: mentally stay focused when you're realizing oh I'm gonna have to wait a while before I get out on the court to play
1: it's it's honestly really hard it's something that we consistently have to work on just because you don't know when you're going on, so you're just kind of prepping the whole day, just being ready to go whenever. What helps us is watching the boys play before. It gets us really into their matches, supporting each other, and it gets us into like that energy. The boys have really, really great energy. and It gets us fired up for our matches, so I would say that's what we do.
0: You and Allie Friedman have won, I think, four consecutive doubles matches now, Uh, really kind of rolling right now. What's that chemistry like?
1: Yeah, Allie and I have been playing really, really well together. It's been so fun. We are just firing each other up, and we, we started playing together in the fall, and it was our first year together, and our chemistry really started to match, and we know how what the other person needs and we're able to work together and flow and it's been really great we had a great win over mid the other weekend which got us really really fired up for the rest of the season so looking forward to other matches ahead
0: and I know you mentioned all the road matches you have another one this weekend I think at Wesleyan right and then the end of the year a bunch of matches at hopefully Wallach right
1: yeah uh, we're really excited to have a couple home matches we Actually, have been looking forward to playing inside of Merrill just because it's such a great home court sure. advantage, but uh, the Wallet courts are going to be so fun to play on and looking forward to good weather outside.
0: You know, how does that kind of determine, because like, you know, you would almost prefer to play Merrill because it's the home court, but if it's really sunny outside, it's kind of hard to justify that, right? Yeah,
1: definitely. <laughs> we would definitely be playing outside, but we've definitely felt going, traveling all this time right mm-hmm. now, going to other schools, we feel... The disadvantage sometimes of being on away courts, just because those players are so used to playing on those courts and know how they work. So when when you get on there, when we're doing our warm up, we're kind of just getting used to the surface, trying to figure out if the ball is slower, faster, if it slides. Um, so it'll be fun playing on our own courts, definitely.
0: You mentioned um, Joanna. Yeah, she had what a three-set mm-hmm. um, kind of a marathon victory there. You, you know, you mentioned you were playing next to her. When did you start realizing that she was in a big fight there at the other court?
1: Well, when we're playing, obviously tennis, you're in your own match, but we're we're here to compete as a team. We fight and play for each other. So if I win a point, if I lose a point, I look over to the other court and I'm like, let's go, Cats. Here we go, JoJo. And Drew was on my other side, who was also doing amazing. Um, but you could... I don't know. You just you look o- over the changeovers. You, like, look over mm-hmm. and cheer on your teammates. And they were fighting out there. It was so fun to watch after my match. It was fun to watch. Um, but, yeah, and just cheering for each other, I would say. That's how we know that people are, are fighting out here.
0: I know in this weekend, that's going to be a big challenge. They're normally really highly ranked, aren't they?
1: Yeah. Personally, I don't look at any sort of sure. rankings or anything beforehand. Sure <laughs> just because I don't like to know – like who i'm playing or what they're like Mm -hmm. i like to go into it fresh like just another player i don't like to know any background on anyone beforehand everyone has their own takes on what they like to do
0: so from that perspective not knowing anything about your opponent how much you, you probably learn a lot during the match right what are you kind of thinking about and trying to gauge when you're facing an opponent where you purposely don't know anything about them coming in
1: well, luckily, usually when I play doubles with Ally, mm-hmm. usually the number one player happens to also be playing one doubles. So I get to kind of figure out their game style then, which is really good. And then going into my singles match. Um, yeah, it's, it's definitely there's definitely a learning curve to start off. I, I always try and focus on my game rather than how they're playing. Um, but as the match goes on, like you understand what their weaknesses are and their strengths and you kind of learn you kind of figure out more strategy of how to go by the point point. and
0: how does coach Gassigay factor into that because I know he has a lot of matches to kind of oversee if you will but I mean how does he factor in in terms of in match adjustments
1: um, coach and Elliot also have been incredible they're so amazing like their energy is amazing and shout out to them for being on court for like 12 hours and they're always on court it's it's mind-blowing to me Uh, how they're able to stay focused like that but they're super helpful um they and what's awesome is they always are saying the same things so um they never contradict each other they are always on the same page which is really helpful to the players Um, they help with definitely with strategy in terms of i'm always looking for to know like how I should be playing this next game, especially when we're outside. The wind was a huge, huge factor. Mm-hmm. It was incredibly windy. It was windy when we played Skidmore last weekend, and then this weekend at Con, it was even more windy, when it, it was a different kind of wind. So I feel like every changeover, I was, I was kind of asking, like, how should I play on this side? What should I do? How do I play with the wind, against the wind? So... They've been really helpful and just amazing. It's so nice to have them on court.
0: Can wind be helpful at times, or is it always like, oh, this is sort of a challenge?
1: <laughs> well, we love adversity, yeah, so right. <laughs> so the wind is super fun. Yeah. I think it's fun. Mm-hmm. Um, it can definitely be frustrating, but that's just—it's frustrating for everyone on court. Like, you're not the only one that has the wind, so you just have to think about it like that. Um, but we try and use the wind always to our advantage. Just figure it out as you go great well
0: any other thoughts you wanted to share about this past weekend undefeated for the women's tennis team
1: uh just excited to keep moving forward and get fired up it's really really great I'm just happy to be back on court and playing tennis really enjoying the game and I'm just so excited and loving the team we have such a great great group of girls and traveling with the guys has been really fun too so looking forward to the next coming few weeks great
0: Anna Rosen female bobcat of the week thanks so much thank you The track and field teams hosted their first outdoor meet of the season on Saturday. Both teams performed well, with the women winning six events and the men taking home the title by nearly 40 points over runner-up Bowden. Junior Liam Byrne was a one-man wrecking crew in the throwing circle for Bates, winning the shot put, the hammer throw, the discus, and the javelin. He set three personal records along the way, earning NESCAC Field Athlete of the Week honors. And Liam Byrne is our male Bobcat of the Week. Liam Byrne with us here on the Bobcast, our male Bobcat of the week after, Liam, you won all four throwing events there on Saturday at the Bates Quad Meet. How good did it feel to get back outside there in the fresh air? A great weather day, right?
2: Yeah, it was, it was a little chilly. The, okay. wind, the wind was there a lot, but it was really
0: nice to be back outside. We've, I've, uh, I've quite, quite missed outdoor track. And you told me off-air Discus is your favorite event, and it's not even close. Why is that? Uh, to be honest, it hurts the least. But it's just
2: it's fun. It's very rhythm-based, so you can just kind of flow through it and then torque at the end, and it just sails.
0: Mm. And uh, how did it go there on Saturday from your perspective? Uh, discs went pretty well. It was last,
2: so I was fairly tired and beaten down by that point, but it was a good enough opening mark. So I'm now settled in, ready to push at Tufts this next weekend.
0: Yeah, speaking of that kind of going forward, I mean, four events at one meet—is that something you're going to be doing often this year, or is that kind of rare? Pretty much every meet, every meet you're going to be doing four. Okay, hopefully, hopefully.
2: Maybe, maybe not at Con, but we'll see.
0: Okay, interesting. And the javelin, obviously, is kind of—I uh, mean—a unique event. And uh, we were talking a little bit off air about how you—you know—you coming in javelin. You didn't think you're necessarily the best at it, but it seems like it's been working out pretty well. Take us through your development in the javelin. Well. I- um, high school-wise, there weren't really
2: coaches. So we were just kind of figuring things out over video. So I had a lot of – I played baseball growing up through the end of high school. but So I had a decent arm but never really had technique. Mm-hmm. So it was interesting to start to figure that out. That's a big one that uh, – Coach Kalina has been huge for that because he was a very good javelin thrower back in high school. And once he gets healthy again, he'll probably be just as good. But um, he's been really good about – getting me through a couple bad habits, and fixing a couple small things, which is going to be nice this year.
0: Yeah, what's it like to have a dedicated throws coach this season, Coach Kalina? It's it's a lot. We weren't. It was an adjustment
2: at first. We weren't used to having a coach with us in the weight room, mm. but it's been nice to have tailored workouts to us. It's definitely been a big benefit to the strength program, and it's nice to have someone with you through the whole thing so that if you tweak something in a lift – you don't have to then explain it again at practice and try and figure out how to work around it. He's always there. He knows exactly what we're doing, and it keeps everything flowing very smoothly.
0: The throwers have their own Instagram page, I noticed. Who runs that?
2: Uh, James runs that one. Okay, okay. We had one a couple <laughs> years ago that Johnny ran, okay. but it was he made it with his high school email and <laughs> lost that email, forgot the password, and couldn't recover it. Okay. <laughs> so James started it back up again this year. Excellent, yeah. There.
0: What What is this throwing group like you know, as a unit kind of? I mean, obviously for the, on the men's side, you guys score a ton of points during indoors, I noticed.
2: Yeah, we, we have our fun. There's, there's a lot of history with the throws program. From like 2008 on, there's been a lot of very good All-American and a national champion tier thrower. So there's a lot of expectations on us. We have a lot of alumni checking in after meets. I talked to a couple of them, D-Ray and Johnny and plus after the meet on Saturday which was nice they still follow it actively and care a lot about the legacy so it's cool to be a part of something like that and it helps it's good for motivation just really keep pushing in it and getting everything going
0: yeah i'm sure you have some goals for this spring what are some things in your mind kind of um i'm
2: really just i'm looking to get to nationals in as many events as i can hope more mostly focused on discus and mm-hmm. secondary probably hammer but shot i got fairly close in indoor not uh, not quite enough at that last chance meet to get me there but we'll see outdoor could be interesting for that and then we'll see what happens
0: with Jav for outdoor in terms of the shot put i mean how does it change just the wind or it's
2: it's a little smaller okay cuz it's all the indoor one has a, essentially a rubber coating around like a Lead balls in the centers. I don't. I don't think it's lead.
0: No, not but. actually lead. Probably, <laughs> <laughs>
2: but whatever. whatever I like it's, yeah. <laughs> I think some of them are tungsten. Some of there's mm-hmm. whatever. But it's got a red rubber casing so it doesn't damage the floor. So it's a little bit bigger to make up for that lighter, softer casing. So the outdoor one's just the cannonball, the sure, solid metal ball. So it's a little smaller, makes it different on the release sometimes. So it's a bit of an adjustment at first, and also the circle's a little bit slower because our indoor circle is quite quick, which mm. is nice. Big benefit inside, but makes a little adjustment to outside.
0: Gotcha. And you guys are hosting the main state meet this year for outdoors. How excited are you
2: for that? I'm very excited for that. Historically, I've thrown in the, what, two meets that I've right. had at dates now that I'm a junior. <laughs> um, I've thrown fairly well, and we're we're really looking forward to that outdoor state meet because it could be, could be very good for
0: us. Chance to sweep them, right?
2: There's a solid chance. Yeah. Once, once we get Jacob back, too, mm. he's been out with a sprained ankle the past couple of days. He should be good by the third meet of the season, so a week before states. Okay. But once we get him back as well and James gets healthy again, he's had a little bit of a like calf cramp, something. So he's, no, not everyone's fully healthy. Once we get fully healthy, it's going to be a lot of fun.
0: Yeah, you mentioned Jacob, Jacob Goff. He had quite the indoor season. He was named, uh, I think, the field performer of the whole New England meet
2: there, right? He was. He did. He took uh, second in shot and fifth in weight. Yeah. A solid 12 points there. That was a really good performance out of him. So he was, we're looking to carry that momentum into outdoor. He's looking good in hammer, too.
0: And then from this quad me, I know there's some standouts that you wanted to shout out right, here a little so, bit, right?
2: We'll, um, I'll get to the throws at the end, but yeah. there were a couple other ones. Um, in the 100, Colby had a lifetime PR mm-hmm. of 1105. Uh, I don't know if it was technically wind legal, right? But it was borderline. Regardless, he started off really well, uh, 2248 in the 200 as well. So those are both, depending on how the wind legal goes through, those should both be New England qualifiers. Um, Garrett Evans also sub 23 in the 200, and Kevin O'Connor. This kills me. He ran 716, er, yeah, 716 in the 60 in indoor. 100th of, mm. 100th of a second off the New England uh. qualifier. And on Saturday, he ran 11.21 in the hundred. A 100th of a second off the New England qualifier. So he's really close to a good breakthrough. Yeah. We're looking for a lot from him. A um, couple other big ones. Nick Stathos coming back. He was coming back a little bit at the end of indoor, but he ran a four eleven fifteen hundred, which with the win there was a good start for him. It's good to see him getting back. Um, Chidubem. Cleared 1.9 meters in high jump, which is New England qualifier. I believe the first jumper to do it since Bofis a couple years ago. Oh, nice. Yeah. Which is It's good to see him doing that. And then uh, in the throws, um, John Everett had a really big day. Back over 14 in the shot put. Big PR in the hammer. Big PR in the discus. Absolutely killed a great start to the outdoor season for him. Um, uh, Liam Evans in the javelin. Massive PR uh luke also got started well so mm. we had a, there were a lot of good opening marks there
0: hey, you have some guys up well yeah you mentioned luke Urabari, right yeah him and i think is cheatham new also kind of uh Chitum's kind
2: of new okay he came in uh planning to be on track mm. but then i don't know if he started indoor or just dipped out on that right at the beginning but he came back and was starting with back with us in the fall we were kind of working him through a couple of different events He's unbelievably explosive. Mm. Just natural athleticism, explosiveness. So he's trying to hone in on some technique. I mean, he, he high up six foot three. Yeah. And not a lot of people can do that, and he's just starting to learn the technique. So he's got a lot left in the tank. It's a shame he's a senior because mm. he's got to get it done now. Right. But he also had a big PR on the shot put. mm which was cool to see. So he's close to the New qualifier there as well.
0: Shot put high jump. That's an interesting combination.
2: Yeah, I don't know if anyone's done that one before, but
0: <laughs> right, good for him. Yeah, certainly. Um, you know, in terms of, um, I, mean, I guess the, you know, we, we talk about goals for you individually. I mean, the team obviously wants to take on the state title as well. But I mean, you, you, in terms of like your other teammates, you know, you touched on some of their accomplishment in this meet. What are some things you're looking forward to seeing them do? Kind of as we go on, along here. Uh, well, in regards to the Throwing's team specifically, mm-hmm.
2: James is really close to a big breakthrough in the discus uh-huh. and the hammer. Just small technical changes, and he'll be going good with those. Um, Jacob, once he gets healthy, he'll be fine. Yeah. He'll cruise through. Shot and hammer are going to be really good for him. And he should. he's getting smoother in disc as well. His technique's good. He just needs to iron out a bit of the rhythm of it. But that could be big. And then, as I said, John killed it in weight and indoor and has started outdoor strong it's gonna be good
0: yeah it's funny he was on the bobcast of back and during indoor season he mentioned how when he came to bates he thought oh i'm at Bates, i'm gonna be a good thrower he didn't realize how much work it takes <laughs> it seems like he realizes that now he's been putting in a lot of time hasn't he yeah yeah
2: <laughs> it's a lot of usually three or four individual sessions with coach during the week and mm-hmm. then regular group practice sessions plus the lifts it's it's a good time commitment but it's worth it because it, it works.
0: I was going to ask you, how do you balance? I mean, training for four different events. I mean, that's and then javelin's so different from the others. I feel like.
2: Yeah, javelin. I usually only go one day throwing a week. Okay. Especially because you, javelin's really damaging. Mm. That's why it was interesting that it was first on Saturday, which not the best for me, but is it's really it's really tough on the knees, back, shoulder, and if your arm slots out to the side, it destroys your elbow, which I avoided that meet. <laughs> but um,
0: you better have good technique then is what you're saying.
2: Yes, yeah. javelin's probably the most important one to have good technique in. Um, yeah, so I usually do – I have four morning sessions with coach every week. I'm in at 9.30 Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and then at 11 on Tuesdays. So I'll usually go – We at the general practice sessions, we throw hammer four days a week and then shot and disc twice each. And then the morning sessions, I'll do like one javelin where I'm throwing then one technique-based low energy and just work through technique as much as possible for as long as possible
0: excellent well any other thoughts you wanted to share about this past meet we haven't got to talk about
2: no it's it's fun to get started nice to do it at home we're looking forward to pushing harder next week and seeing where we can expand this team's got we're looking good this year a lot of depth and good athletes all over the place so we we're hoping for a good performance at Nescax this year.
0: It seems like you just have a bunch of guys who are on the brink of those national qualifiers, aren't you? Yeah.
2: yeah. there's. So I'm start, starting to feel the pressure a little bit. There's <laughs> a, uh, as far as I know, there's a 39-year streak of Bates throwers going to nationals. Mm, that sounds about right. Yeah. So <laughs> I would not like to be one of the members of the team that doesn't let that happen. So fairly confident we'll be able to manage that. But it's
0: in the back of my mind there. Something to keep an eye on. So, uh, Liam, oh, yeah. thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. Congrats again on winning all four throws events there on Saturday. Thank you. The baseball team dropped a pair of games to Trinity on Saturday before bouncing back to defeat the Bantams by a score of 11-10 to 10 on Sunday, earning the team's first NASCAR win of the season. First-year Matthew Schrake played a key role on the mound for Bates, allowing just one run in three-plus innings out of the bullpen to
3: earn his first collegiate win. I came in in about, I think it was the fifth inning. Um, I was the third pitcher in that inning, and we still had no outs. Uh bases were loaded, actually, and... So I kind of just had to work out that actually I think it was my f- first batter I actually hit the first batter which walked in another run but after there I kind of settled in um, I only allowed one more run in that inning Uh a score that was already on base got those three outs and then kind of cruised from there through uh, the sixth and seventh as well which made three three scoreless innings and then um, so in that I mean my fastball and my changeup were working really well um, my curveball wasn't really uh working as well as usual. It's usually my best pitch, but uh I wasn't getting the spin right on it. So I kind of just had to adjust from there. Um as long as I throw strikes though, I think that's my main key to success because I'm not a guy that's like overpowering, throwing ninety miles an hour, so
0: I'm curious, you know, you mentioned the curveball. When you're warming up in the bullpen, you're trying to get a sense probably of the, of your pitches at that part, or are you just throwing, you know, heat in the bullpen.
3: Sure, yeah. So in the bullpen it's kind of goes on like a number system for us. So mm. Um, it's numbered one, two, three, and one is kind of just stretch out. Two start throwing, get off the mound a little bit, and then three is you're kind of like going in. So I kind of just take that time when I'm at like a two to kind of work on my different pitches and stuff like that. And then when we get to three, um, that's kind of like throw, throw as many pitches as possible, mostly like fastballs, try to get curveball over for a strike, things like that. So um, at that point, just trying to work on a few key things before getting in the game.
0: Right, and so when you're in the game – at this point, do you have a sense, oh, my curveball's not on day, I have to adjust? Or do you find that out during the game also? Yeah,
3: sometimes it is during the game <laughs> yeah. because, I mean, uh, when you're in the bullpen, sometimes it's a lot different. I mean, sometimes the mound is a lot different. Right. So, like, the mound, the bullpen mound at train was really nice. And then when I got onto the mound, actually, it was kind of, like, harder. And it was hard to kind of, like, dig my foot in. So it's just a little bit different every time. So um, you kind of have to adjust to that. I think that's one of the biggest things between uh, – bullpen and game and then also obviously there's a hitter right standing in so that's a little bit different to uh pitch to a hitter and kind of try to work on like an inside pitch and things like that so
0: so you had an easy six inning but the seventh thing they load the bases with one out you get the four six three double play to get out of the jam take us through that at bat
3: yeah so i mean in that inning i think we went um it was an error and two singles to get the guys on mm-hmm. and so at that point we only had one out and um, I, I really just wanted to get get one out there and maybe only let up one run, but uh, obviously that's kind of kind of like my thing to try to work ground balls, pitch to contact, let them hit it, but um, sort of like weak contact, make sure I'm hitting my spot. So there I hit my spot and um, went right to our second baseman, Chris, and uh, he turned the double play, so that's kind of how it went, yeah.
0: And I saw you were pretty hyped up when that happened, right? Oh yeah, yeah. that was a,
3: that was a great moment for a dugout. It kind of got us riled up uh, to kind of hold the lead that we had already we had built in the top half of the inning. I think is when we got those four four or five runs. So uh, it was kind of my job to just hold it there and keep the confidence of the team. Come back in the dugout with zero runs. So.
0: This season's been so, I guess, frustrating because the team's been in a lot of games. Like, these games have been close. I mean, uh, w- w- what's the team's mentality right now? Because it, w- it was nice to break through and get a one-run victory after so many tough ones, right? Oh,
3: yeah. I think it was just a confidence thing for us. I mean, mm. so many games in a row. I mean, there were there were really, like, not that many blowouts for us. Like, every almost every game we've been in, we've been competing, and we're a really talented team. So I think for us it was just a mental thing to kind of just put the ball in play, or strikes as as pitchers and I mean in that in that last training game we finally got over the hump because uh, I think we had that mindset for almost every game but sometimes it just wasn't falling our way so yeah
0: sigh of relief when the line drive went into Jameson's glove to end the game there oh yeah for sure
3: (laughs) I mean that was that was the biggest pressure situation and we were only up one run with a runner on in scoring position so um, that line drive luckily went right right to Jamo so
0: and then home opener, uh, we're talking on Monday, folks will hear this on Tuesday, so if you're listening to this right now, home opener might be going on actually at the moment, or might have been wrapped up, but looking forward to Tuesday's game against Plymouth State, how excited are you to have a home game here at Leahy Field, your first yeah, one? Yeah,
3: sure, so we've played 17 games now, and <laughs> right. we haven't we haven't had a home game, so it's it's amazing that we're actually going to be playing in front of our fans, in front of other students that may want to come to the game, so um, I think that's something that everyone's looking forward to, and then obviously... Over the weekend, we played Tufts for our first home conference series, mm-hmm. and I think that's that's a big thing for us, so.
0: Certainly, and then, well, you're from Chicago, so take us through your background. Obviously, were you coming up playing baseball, T-ball from the very start?
3: Yeah, sure. So, I mean, from when I was about three or four, I started playing both baseball and basketball. I kind of had an equal love for both games at that point. Um, but um, from there, I mean, I played in uh, kind of like a rec- recreation league, and then kind of when I was like eight years old, started playing travel baseball, kind of just worked up from there, playing more and more games, um, going to more and more practices and workouts. And then by the time I got into high school, um, I made the varsity as a freshman. So that was, that was really, I think, the key part to me getting into college, just having that varsity experience for four years. And even though when I got to high school, I wasn't, I wasn't as big or I didn't throw as hard. So I probably didn't have like the college metrics at that point. But I think the experience there is really what got me over
0: the hump like mentally. So, And then being from the Midwest, how did Bates get on your radar?
3: Yeah, so I kind of knew I wanted to go to a high academic school like Bates. So most of the camps um, were in the Northeast because that's kind of where a lot of the D3 high academic schools fall. So um, starting right before my junior year, I traveled out and went to some camps in Boston and New York and um, kind of just tried to get on these schools' radars. So from there, kind of going into my, the start of my senior year, I guess, is where I kind of really knew what my, what my college offers were. And, I mean, Bates was, like, the, the school that was best for me, both academically and athletically. I got to visit that fall of my senior year. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it kind of just made my choice when I toured there. I, kn- I knew that was the right fit for me. Yeah.
0: Had you been to Maine before?
3: I hadn't been to Maine you, at that uh, point, yeah, but I'd been to Boston a few times. Mm-hmm. So I knew the New England area, I guess.
0: Sure, and then um, you grew up four blocks from Wrigley Field, that's right?
3: Yeah, yeah, just about that. I mean, um, the Cubs have been my favorite team since I was very young. I mean, going to over a dozen games every year. So we've, we have follow in our family very closely, yeah.
0: So you'd just be able to walk to the games, it sounds like. Yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> for sure,
3: yeah. It's an awesome experience, yeah.
0: Looking at your first season so far, you've been pitching mostly out of the bullpen, right, or entirely out of the bullpen? Yeah, yeah.
3: entirely out of the bullpen so yep. far. Um, yeah, so I've had about nine
0: appearances so mm-hmm. far. Yeah. And w- were you a starter in high school? And if so, what is the adjustment like pitching relief?
3: Yeah, sure. So I mean, in high school, I think my my freshman my freshman year, I was only really a reliever. I mm-hmm. only came in once or twice. I was more of a position player at that point mm-hmm. because I was a two way all okay. through high school. Um, so. But my sophomore year and my senior year, junior year was cancelled due to COVID. Okay, but yeah. um yeah, from there I was kind of a starter. I, I came in relief a few times. So I think I had some experience there. But for the most part I was a starter. I mean my senior year, I probably got eight or nine starts. So um I think what really prepared me for like the relief role was both um, my summer my summer season. I played on a collegiate league team um before I came to Bates, so I think that really helped me a lot and uh, that was kind of a mix of getting getting some starts and, but mostly um, pitching in relief. So I think that helped a lot. And then also in the fall, uh, Coach Martin kind of prepared us for all all different types of situations with like live scrimmages and things like that. So
0: what what college summer team?
3: Um, it's in the Midwest Collegiate League. It's called the Chicago American
0: Giants. Yeah. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, nice. So w- what stadium that they use there? Um,
3: so we kind of. We kind of use like a variety of fields, oh, okay. but like a home homes our home stands in I think South Holland, Illinois. It's a suburb of Illinois, but the league is um it's been around for probably like twenty years would be my guess. But mm. the our team was new last year, so um yeah, it's a lot of guys from my high school summer team. Um kind of we kinda of just kind of made a team and um yeah, just go from there, yeah.
0: Great. And then, I mean, you mentioned the COVID year, junior year getting canceled. I mean, that's a a big year in high school baseball, I mean, or any high school sport, your junior year. I mean, so how did you stay sharp as a baseball player during high school when you couldn't play?
3: Yeah. I I mean, I think that was kind of one of the big factors for me wanting to play college baseball in the first place as well, just losing baseball and realizing that I really didn't want to stop playing after my one high school season, my senior season. So I think that's when it kind of clicked in my mind that I wanted to play college baseball, and I mean, staying sharp during that time, actually our family kind of built like a small batting cage, built a mound for my brother and I, um, so I mean, that, that was helpful, and just getting out to the park and playing catch, so yeah.
0: Terrific. Well, any other thoughts you want to share on your uh, rookie season so far, if you will, here at Bates?
3: Um, yeah, I think we're just looking forward to um, the rest of our conference play. Um, I know that we haven't had as much of success in the past, but I mean, Going forward, I think we're getting hot at the right time. So um, we're looking forward to playing for the rest of the season, yeah.
0: All right, Matthew Schrake, thank you so much for joining us on the Bobcats. Really appreciate so it. Thank you so much. The rowing team's race Division I competition Sunday on the Charles River. The highlight of the day for the Bobcats came in the men's second varsity eight race, with Bates winning in six minutes, 12.8 seconds. Led by junior coxswain Aiden Braithwaite and senior stroke Jack Frickty, the 2V outraced the MIT Lightweights and Boston College to take first out of three crews. Frichty joins the Bobcast to look back on the second weekend of the spring season. Jack Fricky with us here on the Bobcast talking some men's rowing. And first of all, Jack going up against, you know, MIT Lightweights and Boston College as a 2V in the stroke seat. How exciting was that race for you there on uh, Sunday?
4: It was really great. You know, it was the first time back in the Basin since my freshman year and kind of getting back into like a real racing schedule and setting was really, really fun and awesome to be a part of. We also saw MIT Lights back uh, last weekend in San Diego, and unfortunately we're in the, the other end of the, the stick and lost that race, so it was really fun to kind of see what we had built on the ne- this last week and come away with the win.
0: Yeah, I interviewed Espen Wheeler last week from the 1V, and he mentioned that the 2V probably should have won that race in San Diego, but there was some sort of hiccup that uh, I mean, obviously did not happen this week, right?
4: Yeah, we had some equipment issues mm-hmm. and some things that kind of were out of our control. Yeah. But uh, we we luckily got all that in check this weekend, and everything went according to plan.
0: So this was the Charles River Basin, basically.
4: Yeah, so it was uh, basically where everyone lines up for the head of the Charles. So it's before the course. It's it's the like it's a straight. It's more open, so it definitely will get uh, a lot more wind. We were supposed to actually race um, Boston College on Saturday, but things were moved because of uh, weather.
0: Bright and early there, uh, well, the women's team had to row at like 7 in the morning, but were a little bit later.
4: <laughs> yeah, it was it was definitely early. Um, luckily, we drove down the day before, so we were, staying, we were staying in Boston, but it was still definitely an early morning for sure.
0: So what's your routine kind of pre-race there when it's that early?
4: Uh, usually we won't get to the race course as early, um, but you wake up, have some breakfast, and then head off to the course and get ready to rumble and have – a little bit of time before you launch, go to the bathroom, get your stuff changed if you need to do that, and then head out on the course and take care of business.
0: What's it like being in the stroke seat specifically?
4: Um, it's definitely you have a little bit more to think about. You're, you're thinking about the rate and the, the timing and the ratio a little bit more and listening to what the coxswain is kind of telling you to do. I've I've done it a fair amount at my in my career here at Bates and before in high school, so I'm pretty comfortable with it. Um, it's definitely different because you're not following anyone but um, I, I definitely do enjoy it.
0: Great, and then what's your relationship like with your coxswain at Aiden, right?
4: Yeah, Aiden, we call him Brady, he's a great guy uh, junior on the team, I've had him as a coxswain for a little bit now um, but he has a great work ethic and he really, he's really there for all of us and he steers us in the right direction.
0: You mentioned you rode in high school, how did you first get started with the sport?
4: Uh, my neighbor who rode in high school and she was like you're tall and team needs tall guys so they kind of dragged me to practice and then I fell in love with it so I've been rowing ever since the fall of or spring of 2014 so this is this is kind of the last
0: hurrah yeah and obviously you know coming into Bates what was the biggest adjustment to college rowing compared to what you did in high school
4: um I would say just like the the intensity in terms of like everyone else I would say my my club was fairly small so there was a small group of guys that did you on a row at D1 schools or similar to me. Um, it was just kind of the intensity and commitment, but also just it is nice to win and my team didn't really win that much. So it, it is it is fun to have that like competitive that competitive edge or attitude going into things because there was a lot of time where it was like blatantly obvious we weren't going to stack up to teams at all. Um, but it's just kind of the camaraderie and the whole team atmosphere, which – I felt was a big, not a jump or like adjustment, but like something that was different.
0: So as a senior, I mean, you've been through a lot, obviously, with, with, as, we, as all the seniors have with the COVID um, pandemic years and whatnot. What's it like to finally be back to somewhat of a sense of normalcy for the first time since you were a first year,
4: right? Yeah, it is weird um, <laughs> just being like the only class who have really experienced spring racing mm-hmm. in its true form of pre-COVID. So I think that's definitely something that the whole team is kind of adjusting to and figuring out, okay, how does, how do fall races really work? Because last year we did have spring races and that it's not the same as like this year or pre-COVID. It's a lot of, we're going to different places, we're racing different teams, we're racing teams out of the NESCAC now. Um, so it's definitely, it just allows us to show what we are able to do, I think a little bit more, um. And Really, I enjoy it a lot. I think it allows us to progress as a team as well a lot more.
0: You mentioned obviously, you know, you want to compete and you want to win. And Sunday, when did you realize you were going to win that race? Was it was it close at all?
4: Yeah, it was pretty close. Yeah. Uh, to be uh, pretty honest with you, we were behind for most of the oh, race, okay. uh, and we we were able to kind of walk through at the end. So I wouldn't say there was no, there's no chance. There's no like opportunity for us to be like okay we really have this or kind of the opposite of like we're we're done like there's and honestly that's that's, most fun right yeah Yeah. like i it it is fun to really be racing the whole time obviously it's never fun to be down but kind of in the the debate spirit we we have that plan and we want to execute our plan and that's never to be like super super first right off the start we're not expecting to be first off the start and that's just kind of how Coach and all of us kind of have crafted our race style. But um, its it was definitely a hard-fought race that we we came out with the win, but by no means was I, were we kind of like, okay, we got this halfway through.
0: I'm curious, we're outside the Olen Arts Center, uh, you're, you're working on a thesis right now involving a kiln. Tell yes. us about your major and your thesis.
4: Yes, so I'm a double major in history and then art and visual culture, and right now I'm actually firing my... Last kiln for thesis, so I just checked before I came out up here, and it's at about 2,000 degrees Fahrenheit. So it's it's getting up there in temperature, um, and yeah, so you can come see my uh, exhibit along with 14 dollars studio art majors in the in the art museum starting April 15th, all the way through commencement.
0: Well, that'll be excellent. Yeah. Um. Uh, well, any other thoughts you wanted to share about the this past uh, weekend and whatnot?
4: No, I think just. I think it really solidified the work people have done over the the winter and shown that we are we're ready to go for this spring and the whole the whole team is really ready to go and push towards IRAs again in May or I guess in June. So we're ready to push through this next month.
0: And a D3 race this year at IRAs.
4: Yeah, that's that's definitely exciting and we're we're ready to go.
0: All right, Jack Fricky, thanks so much. Awesome, thank you. It's D3 week on the Bates Bobcast, and we are excited to chat with two of the leaders of the Bates Student-Athlete Advisory Committee, field hockey senior Bridget Thompson and women's soccer junior Courtney Gray, all about the exciting programming SAC has scheduled and has already produced this week. D3 week here on the Bates Bobcast. We've got all week a lot of D3 content going up on the Bates Sack Instagram. Bridget Thompson, Courtney Gray with us here on the Bobcast to talk a little bit about D3 week, uh, obviously from the Student Athlete Advisory Committee. And Bridget, I've already seen some content. It's Monday. Yes. We're yes. talking We're on ready Monday. To roll. You're ready to roll. You interviewed Mike Roque this morning. Yes. Um, yes. Tell us a little bit about some of your goals for this week.
5: Yeah, so um, the interview with Mike Roke is just an example of one of the programming options we have for this week. But um, Courtney, Emily, and I were all co-presidents of SAC, and speaking with the entire committee, we thought it would be a really good idea to just sit down with these people that actually are such supportive forces within the D3 Athletic Experience at Bates and kind of talk to them about, like, why they chose to work at an institution like this and what they think that, like, their student-athletes get out of this. Um, so Mike was a great example. We were reaching out to a lot of faculty liaisons with the faculty, those who sort of serve, um uh, among sports teams and kind of are just like their their voice, their mouthpiece for all things academics and kind of help alleviate the, their concerns in that realm. So we thought Mike would be a great option for that. He's also the faculty athletic representative mm-hmm. in general. So it's really cool to see the ways that he brings together like his um, – academic discipline to that role. I know that um as a sociology professor you guys are dealing with a lot of stats, right? So I know that Mike was interviewing um a lot of student athletes and trying to get like actual sociological data right on them. Do you know anything about that, Courtney?
6: Yeah, he did some interviews after like our season to kind of collect some data about how student athletes were feeling kind of postseason in the fall. Um, which is really cool. And I just think that these interviews like also highlight like how many mentors we have as student athletes like beyond just our coaches like we have our professors we also were interviewing some people from admissions like Mm -hmm. there are just so many different resources and professors kind of beyond your team and your coaches at a D3 institution.
5: Just like seeing them behind you, just like that supportive force is just so meaningful. Like I remember seeing Mike Roke at like every football game, Mm. you know, cheering for them. Like he is a presence. Camille Parrish, who is our field hockey team, our faculty liaison, seeing her like cheering for us, even the pouring rain. Like it's like the little things like that, just knowing that you have an entire community behind you is kind of one of the central themes of D3 Week that we're trying to get out. Um, and we have a, a couple more things we can talk about, too, with those interviews. But one other thing that's really come um, come apparent to us is that many of the people we're interviewing um, are have also come from D3 institutions themselves. So Mike Groke actually is the exception. Right. Um, but another interview we have coming up is with Associate Professor of History, Joe Hall, Faculty Liaison to the Swim and Dive Team. He, I believe, ran track and field at Amherst. Um, and then a lot of other people that you'll see, weather coaches, I think we interviewed um, Coach Coyne, the new uh, men's football coach. He also came with from a coaching stint at Wesleyan. He
0: quarterbacked Wesleyan. And quarterback yeah, Wesleyan. Yeah.
5: So it's like, it's a very much like an, especially an internezcac experience, too. Yeah. Yeah. But the D3, it's great capturing the D3 experience, though, because it is in some ways so universal across all these institutions within the entire country, too.
0: And something I've always asked students when they're on the Bobcast is why Bates? Well, for this week, I'm going to ask each of you, YD3, because that's the hashtag, right? Hashtag yeah. YD3. Yeah. Courtney, let's start you with YD3 for you.
6: YD3 for me is a lot, just about the connections that you get as a student and an athlete. Like having the small class sizes was huge for me. Like being able to connect to my professors and like kind of know them both in the classroom but beyond the classroom. Um, super special. You also get closer to the people in your classes because you're not just like a number in a room like you're doing projects you're communicating all that type of stuff so that was super important to me and also just going to a school that like values your growth beyond just the field was something that I was really looking for.
5: Why D3 for you, Bridget? Absolutely. I get asked this question a lot um, with my work in admission, and that's also why we brought in Joey Seltzer, um, who works with admission, and she's also um, an alum of the field hockey team specifically. So also keep your eyes peeled for that interview. Um, but, we, we, yeah, we answer this question a ton in admission. Um, and for me, I think it's – The fact that, kind of as Courtney mentioned, there's so many opportunities for growth besides your involvement on the field. You can get involved in so many other aspects of student and extracurricular life that, like, really enrich your time. So whether that's, like, um, an employment opportunity that's helping pay pay your way through school, whether that's, like, we have over 100 Bates College student government-recognized clubs on our campus, things like that, like, being involved in things besides – um, your sport, kind of expands your identity in a very healthy way. So I think that's what I love um, about Bates is that I can come here and I can be a member of the field hockey team. I can be a dedicated student, but I can also be so many other things. And that's been absolutely encouraged from day one here. So that's, I think that's my answer.
0: And don't forget folks, follow Bates Sack on Instagram. It's Bates underscore S-A-A-C. So the Instagram, I mean, it's been very active this year. Uh, who who kind of, are you both, are you running that, or how's that working, Courtney? Team effort. Team yeah, team effort.
6: <laughs> team effort. Bridget's been awesome in, like, designing a lot of our graphics and coming up with some of our ideas, um, but yeah, we've just been trying to make it more active and do kind of some creative things. We've been doing some SAC game day previews where we interview some of our athletes before a weekend of competition and just trying to highlight, like, all, like, the different teams on campus and just kind of like hearing from all those different athletes and just kind of doing some more creative stuff and producing more content for SAC.
5: Definitely. I think we're trying to pr- approach things, as Courtney said, creatively. Because, Aaron, you already do such an incredible job with the community. And I'm not just fl- like trying to flatter you. But you do. And it's more like you're getting the play-by-play, like all the nitty-gritty. And you're even getting like great um, after-game interviews and things. But we kind of wanted to stick our hands in um, the other stuff that isn't always talked about. So I think the game day previews are great because you're seeing a more relaxed kind of conversational side of things. Because I know it's like if Aaron Morse is going to interview after your game, you're, you're, you're very much just like... <laughs> prim and proper, like <laughs> trying to stay and like seem as, you know, ready to, to go as possible and then with these conversations and also as you can see with the the conversations we had for D three week with the faculty and staff and everyone we've interviewed, it's very much like we're sitting across them and we're and we're hearing from them and mm-hmm. we're really connecting with them. And that was kind of like the sort of meta beauty of this experience is that Courtney, Emily and I interviewed all these people. We went throughout all these different offices in campus and at first when I was like, Oh my gosh, we're gonna do this it seemed so daunting. But then I came out of these conversations and I like Stayed for way longer than I anticipated. But, like, I, it was so meta because, like, I was connecting with these people by asking them. Why they came and why they experienced it the, like why they love the D three experience, and then it like was reinforcing for me why I love it so much because I'm able to connect with these people. So I would like come out of these, and I was like, wow, this is really hitting at home. Like it, it really is. And I think especially it's especially bittersweet for me knowing these are my last couple weeks at Bates. Um, and it's just a great way to sort of like end it out, if you know what I mean.
0: Yeah, as you mentioned, you're a senior. You're coming back next year, right? Yeah, yeah. I'll
5: have one more semester next fall. So. Oh, one more semester next yeah, fall. Yeah, okay, okay, next
6: December, but one more soccer season. One more soccer
0: season, <laughs> exactly. So what are, what are some thoughts just uh, take it back to the pitch a little bit about the women's soccer team going forward here
6: yeah we're really excited for next season um it's been awesome to have this kind of like informal um spring season where we've been able to have 15 practices and that's just been huge especially since we had a large first year class this year so just getting that kind of extra training time when we're not preparing to face a specific opponent has been super helpful and like the strides that we've made so far after just having 10 practices are huge, like we're already light years ahead of where we were in the fall. So I'm just really, I feel really lucky that I have one more season with this program because the past few years have been a little bit of rebuilding years, and now I'm really hoping that we'll kind of get those results that we've been working for.
0: Great, and then Bridget, obviously, you have your hand in a lot of things debates, but this Wednesday, Special Olympics Club, uh, softball, Thomas College, tell us about that.
5: Yeah, so unfortunately, the Bates Athletic community is going to be hearing so much from me um, (laughs) in the next couple weeks. And they're going to be like, this girl needs to stop. Um, So this Wednesday, Thomas College is coming to play our softball team um, in a doubleheader, 3 p.m. and 5 p.m. games. The 3 p.m. game is going to be Special Olympics awareness themed. So what that will involve is an announcement kind of explaining um, the Special Olympics national organization and our unified program's role within it. And then both teams will be wearing the colors of Special Olympics in in ribbons in their hair and taking a picture um, after the game with some banners. But what it really represents is um, the collaboration between schools within the state of Maine in support of Special Olympics, which is also a huge initiative for D3 just in general this year, um, especially as... I think the D3 Special Olympics partnership is reaching some sort of like anniversary, of milestone, which is very cool. Um, so Thomas College, we're really excited about that. And we're kind of double dipping in that. We're using that opportunity as um, completion of one of our activities for the upcoming virtual college championship week, which is next week, <laughs> um, April 11th through 15th. We placed second nationally last year and first in Division Three, And we're really looking forward to, you know, either topping last year or really just once again going after it. I I mean, it's a really great chance to connect with these individuals in the Lewis and auburn community. And um, now it's a little bit more of in-person versus strictly virtual. So the collaboration challenge will now be completed by Thomas College and our schools. Um, Special Olympics awareness-themed game this Wednesday, April 6th at 3 p.m. So really excited about that. Next week is also NESCAC Mental Health Awareness Week. Okay. So that's another big week for SAC. Um, And we're going to be posting a calendar with the events um, pretty soon. But actually, it's probably a good opportunity to give you a preview of them right now. Mm -hmm. We have um, a speaker coming to... uh, speak with us virtually but we'll be talking with her in person in carnegie 204 next wednesday april 13th at 8 p.m um and this information is going to go out to all members of the athletic community especially head coaches we'd love to have your teams there There's an obvious need for a sports psychologist within Bates Athletics. It's something that we've heard voiced to us within our committee meetings and just speaking with members of teams in general. Um, And so she specializes, Dr. Heather C. Finley from the University of Vermont Medical Center, specializes in sports psych as one of her practice areas. So She's gonna talk with us and she's already kind of, we've polled some students and kind of asked them what sort of areas they want to discuss most. Things like, you know, anxiety about game day performance to overall like managing your stress levels. But the the name of the talk, believe is three ways to either optimize or like i guess manage your your sports performance so or achieve peak performance mm. so we're really excited about that mm-hmm. we're also um organizing a chance for some yoga for athletes on gar field this tuesday um at around 2 45 p.m um and we're partnering with mike Milliken and be well and it should be on gar salon um hopefully a nice sunny day with a lot of fun music and a really great teacher um so that'll also be happening next week
0: Oh, so that's a week from tomorrow. A week
5: from tomorrow is the yoga session. Is the yoga session? Gotcha. Okay. Yes. okay it's great. all. It's crazy that it's all happening back to back in yeah. the same two weeks. So it's required a lot of planning on our on our end. Yeah. Um. But you're obviously will be kept abridged to yeah. all of it. And yeah. we're recording
0: this on a Monday, folks. So for those of you listening tomorrow, it's a week from Tuesday. So yes.
5: there you go. <laughs> there you go. A little bit of clarification. Yeah. There. It's
0: important. But um, I'm curious. Also, I believe Batesack is gonna be taking over the NESCAC account at some yes, point, right? Tell us about that. Yeah.
5: It is crazy how many things are happening within the same. Two and a half week period Um, Yes we're taking it over on April 14th So I think that's Thursday, April 14th Mm -hmm. Um, And we're super pumped about that I know Wesleyan's starting it off today for D3 week I kind of like having it next week Because it's sort of separate from the D3 week um, but there's a lot of the same themes that are coming across this week that you'll probably see in that day. It's going to be somewhat day in the in, in life themed court. Do you want to talk yeah. about what we might have planned for that?
6: Yeah. So we're all going to film some content. All three of us, um, co-presidents. So I'll be like getting some content from our soccer practices and just some things with the team. Emily will be doing the same for track and field, and then Bridget will be. Yeah,
5: I'll do a little bit yeah. with with field <laughs> hockey. I'm always <laughs> hanging out with them, and, and I love them. Um, and are you
0: I, Are you watching their practices this fall? I.
5: Have I'm not watching them, oh, okay. but I am still an all-too-frequent presence. Yeah. I gave a tour for um, all the recruits this past Saturday at their at their perspective clinic, and I was leading some families around with the admitted students' receptions on Friday. So I'm still definitely seeing them a ton, um, which I love. But mm-hmm. um, uh, one other idea we have planned for our takeover is diving a little bit into the Bobcats history as a mascot. So I know Communications has done some stories on it in the past, and we have access to the costume. So... Um, mm-hmm. The, the 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 Bobcat will be making um, some interesting appearances on our NezcaQ Instagram takeover day
0: there's some wild Bobcat stories I mean <laughs> there have been live Bobcats at bait sporting events in the past as mm-hmm. recently as the 1990s mm-hmm. <laughs> oh my God.
5: there is a rich history <laughs> yeah. just alone the idea that like the Bobcats just part of this larger NESCAC zoo is something that we kind of want to <laughs> explore right. besides I guess one of the Hamilton is the continentals so yeah. I guess they're like the zoo leader but besides that we are <laughs> yeah. all animals with the Nezcaq so that that's be fun to to explore a little bit.
0: Excellent. Well, um, Courtney and Virginia, any other thoughts you wanted to share about D3 Week? Again, this is taking place all this week, and I know a lot of the Bobcats listeners might be more on Facebook, maybe skew a little bit older alums. Mm-hmm. Instagram is where you can connect with our student-athletes. <laughs> it's athletes. the new age! Yeah, it's Instagram. You want to get an Instagram. And Again, it's Bates underscore S-A-A-C yes. uh, for Student-Athlete Advisory Committee. But any other thoughts you, both you wanted to share?
5: I mean, I think we just would love to obviously um, have a lot of support and participation in this week and next week, an important two weeks. It's just going to be a great opportunity to really see our community coming together um, and just... You know, keeping students aware of, you know, reminding us, Mm -hmm. as we're still a part of this experience, why it's so beautiful and why it's so special. Um, Things that we're also going to highlight, the fact that, like, we can study abroad, you know what I mean, at at the D3 level. Um, And there are a lot of great connections with with alumni, even within teams that, like, we're able to take advantage of. And that's just really the beauty of the D3 experience. So just keep your eyes peeled for continued content throughout the week, and more so when it comes closer to NESCAC Mental Health Week. And Special Olympics Virtual College Championship Week.
6: Just to add on to that, I think as you said, some of the audience might be a little older or alums, and we were kind of talking when thinking about D three week how like our alumni network is also something that's super special to like a Division three school where we have so many close connections so if there are any alums who want to reach out to us we'd be more than happy to talk and even highlight you on, on the, instagram. the instagram if you'd like <laughs> if you'd like to
5: become i wouldn't say you'd become famous or viral but like a lot of people would see you <laughs> so yeah. we'd love to have you so feel free to reach out
6: to us
0: and of course we'll be sharing all the Bates sack content on go baits bobcats on instagram thanks, as aaron. well bridget courtney thanks so much for joining us on the bobcats thank preview you. d3 week thank you yep. aaron In other Bates Athletics news last week, the softball team came up just short in three games at Trinity and the lacrosse teams both fell to Williams. This week has more midweek action, with baseball finally getting a home game Tuesday against Plymouth State and softball opening up at home Wednesday against Thomas College. Plus, both lacrosse teams square off with rival Bowdoin Wednesday night with the men at home. Find all the latest news and results at gobatesbobcats.com and on the Bates Bobcats mobile app. And we'll recap it all next time on the Bates Bobcast. Bates! Bates! Right till the end! Right till the end of every game! Right, right, right till the end! Right for a our-